This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast, and it's amazing how chipper you feel after you get three points on a Saturday. Bolton came to town. Bolton tried and won the job on us. Bolton, to be fair, they actually tried to play football on Saturday, as opposed to some teams that have come down there and put up the shutters. They shut up shop. But Brentford worked hard. They were very patient, and we got the win. And we were very happy in the pub afterwards and some people stayed in the pub very late on Saturday didn't they Laney? Yeah some people did apparently yep apparently they did so as well which is all good it's all part of the celebration process so we've come out of the weekend and now we're looking forward to next weekend and so we're back on tour we were in the meat market last week in the east of London, sort of the east of London, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah Smithfield. Yeah, no, it's, is it east? It's no. sort of sort of central east, east sea. I would put it as sort of a little bit north, north central, north central with an east sea code in it. Anyway, we're in Smithfield Market, but we've come back west again because we had got the shutters last time. We got the shutters, and we're back west London. We're back at our favourite, the Cross Keys Pub. In Amersmith. Very it's busy. Very, very busy. Very busy in here tonight. Honestly, the word must have come out. The Besotted podcast comes from here. The characters sit in the corner. They do the podcast. They go around interviewing people. They have a laugh. They drink lots of beer. There's a rum going down by the end of the evening. Don't mention beer too much, mate. Not too much beer, mate. We're not men- mentioning beer, apparently. Apparently, you mentioned beer a lot, and we don't talk about football at all, according to characters. But anyway, we're not going to talk about beer at all. The fact that I'm drinking a Pride, and you're drinking a... Pride. Are you? But don't mention it. We're not going to mention it at all because we're in the Cross Keys pub talking football. With my beer. mates. No, no my name's Billy Grant and I'm sitting here with Dave Lane. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. There's a buzz around the pub tonight. People are very excited and you know why. Indeed, indeed. And I walked in as well and I saw Andy from the QPR Community Trust as well, who runs the Community Trust from QPR. And I was a little bit nervous because I was thinking, hold on a second, isn't this B's territory? And he's trying to convince me it was QPR territory, even though only him and his partner were in the house. It probably technically is more their territory, I'd say. 
I'd, I'd probably say. It probably is, but I mean, the fact that we sort of come here and do our podcast every week, we've made it our own territory, haven't we? Yeah, we're Brentford FC, we go where we want. We go where we want indeed. Listen, I've got Savvy B in the house. Savvy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I've actually been on Google uh, since the discussion started, and this pub is exactly equidistant from... Craven Cottage, Loftus Road and Griffin Park. Ah, well, there you go. See, now you've got the facts and figures. This is what we like. A man that comes on this podcast with facts and figures. We sit here and we just make it all up, you know, 74% and all that kind of stuff because, we, we well, that's the figures that we band around, isn't it? I, I, they, they, we never make up a percentage, ever. <laughs> but Savvy B comes on and he says that this is actually equally a Brentford pub, a QPR pub and a Fulham pub. However, do any of them do their podcasts from this pub? As far as I know, none. Except for us, so it's got to be Brentford territory. So we say, you listen, the Cross Keys pub, which is very busy here tonight, we may even go on tour and talk to a few people here, is Brentford territory. Listen, we got the man Gaz. Gary, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing absolutely fine, Bill. Obviously happy after um, another three points went in the bag on Saturday. Indeed. Tell you something, you are a gambling man, and tell you something, if anyone says, listen, what numbers or what team should I pick on the old uh, gambling coupon voucher thingy, go to Gaz because I remember it was two months ago he sent me a little whatsapp and it, bing, and it pinged up and he goes I've bought my Sunderland train ticket I'm going for it and I thought cool blimey mate I'm not being funny they haven't even played the third round yet he goes I don't care I'm going for it and I think you got it for like £20 return or something like that but you've cashed in haven't you yeah definitely Bill so I saved about £50 um, on what it would cost had I had I waited until after um, we lost that FA Cup game so yeah Kids in, I'm sure that can be um, spent on beer on the. Well, I'm just well. I'm thinking the, the, the drinks are on you today, actually, guys. You know what I'm saying? We normally try to treat you, but we're thinking actually the tables are going to be turned. No, yeah. So I'm, I've um, decided to eat dry January. Um, the transfer window opened, and after I, I probably overdid it a bit in December, my liver decided to put in a transfer request. I managed to. We came to an agreement that I'd take January off and give him a bit of a rest. Indeed, right. So January is taken off. Gaz is doing the dry January. That will probably last for another two and a half hours before we get onto the crack and run. But anyway, listen. Crack. 750 listens, 1,000 listens. 750,000 listens is what we're on at the moment now uh, on the Beside podcast, which uh, we're very proud of. We're only a small team, Brentford, but 750,000 listens for the podcast. So uh, give yourselves a round of applause, everybody. And thank you very much, everybody, for tuning into that. And, and hopefully we can start going towards the million listens. But there may be a little bit of news for you as well, which we can't tell you too much more about. But you may be hearing more of us on the airwaves very soon. You might be able to tune in and hear us more on the airways very soon. Like I said, we can't say too much about it. And, you know, maybe, you know, we might talk a bit too much about beer and, and not about Brentford. But maybe we found another avenue that we actually talk even more about beer and even less about Brentford. That would work, wouldn't it? Quite excited about this one. Very excited. I mean, you're excited about it as well. And like I said to you, hopefully in the next week or two, we'll be able to let you know more. But we have get a lot of people week in and week out to say to us, guys listen to the show thank you very much and like we said to you go to iTunes give us a thumbs up go and give us a re- you know give us a report right up on us it'll go up in the ratings and stuff like that as well so just to let you know as well it'd be really good a nice little um, opportunity for you to actually just check out more content that we're putting out there we enjoyed doing it we thank you very much for listening to it but just stay tuned to this one anyway at the moment Norwich I know you see they're playing <coughs> Chelsea at the moment now it's, uh, it's the first half 
and I think the score is still uh, nil all. But I think they just hit the crossbar and they managed managed to put out a team tonight. Norwich have sold almost all their players, haven't they? Well, I think maybe they, they have done. They've sold all their players, and the fact is that if they actually miraculously beat Chelsea tonight, that means that we're not going to have a not going to have a match next week, um, which means a week off. For some people, actually, might be quite happy with a week off. Other people are like, oh no. So we'll see how that tours out. But anyway, but we're going to talk about this, guys, because we're sitting around here and. We like to plan our away days, don't we? We're planning our away day for Saturday. Brentford have sold nearly 3,000 tickets for Reading on Saturday. We're going to talk about Reading a little bit later because we've got Becca from the Tylerhurst um, end crew in the house. She's going to be talking to us on this podcast later. She's from the blog and from the podcast there. And uh, we're playing Reading. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But we like to plan our away days. You know, we like to book our trains. We like to book our planes. We like to book our boats. And we like to maybe go to the town, find a local pub, even though we don't talk about beer at all. And we also maybe go out and just do a little bit of sightseeing. And I'm just thinking, you guys, you've got some really good plans that, you know, Reading on Saturday, not the best of away days, not brimming with excitement. What are you talking about? But we're, we're going to do the besotted guide to alternative Reading, you know? And I just want to know, what activity do you suggest that our listeners should check out on Saturday? Savvy B. Uh, well, <clears throat> I've, had, I've had a good look and... Um third on the list on uh, TripAdvisor is actually uh, Reading Station so I think I might go there on the way uh, but uh, what's really caught my eye is the uh, number 55 in the list which is the Ur Museum of Greek Archaeology uh, which is obviously something close to my heart and uh, it's actually uh, according to one of the uh, reviews and it's got five star reviews by the way uh, it's tucked away at the end of a corridor within Reading University uh, uh, an early Greek settlement was the Reading, was it? I think I think it's actually uh, just a few uh, bits of pottery that they found somewhere, but uh, <laughs> but it, but it's a second-hand store, but, but, but uh, <laughs> possibly yeah. But I think it is, uh, but basically just some bits of pottery in a cupboard at the end of a corridor at Reading University. And, and some tzatziki. Okay, yeah. So, so, we'll, so there's one place that you suggest for the Beast fans to go to on Saturday as well beforehand. Bit of pottery at Reading University. I believe Nico's going. He's very early on, you know, as, as part and of his. Chatsy will be there. Yeah, Chatsy as well. Gaz, any plans for Saturday on the touristic front? To be honest, I've had a good look. On, I've had a good look on um, TripAdvisor. Not really. It's not looking like it's too bright down there. So, but one thing I did notice that they do have number thirteen on the list of things to do is to go to the Medeski Stadium. Yeah, might be nice. I'm sure that might come up some at some point during the day. So, there's twelve better things to do than go to the Majeski then. Yeah, but what is interesting? Number fifty-one is um, go to Reading Football Club. So it seems that they're implying that you should go look at the stadium, but just don't watch the team. <laughs> okay, right. So, okay, guess. Laney. Well, I, I think you've done this town. It is a town. It's not a city, is it? No, you've done a town a, 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 an injustice, to be honest. It's, there's just clearly just so much to do there, you know. Um, but I've, I've noticed something that stood out is um, the, the herb farm at um, Son in Common. Um, might struggle with it. With opening hours 10 till 4.30 on a Saturday, so we, we probably get down there. Well, I'm certainly going to get down there earlier. But it's, um, the, the, herb, the herb farm is something that's very close, close to my heart. Um, I've, I've been part of its, you know, its growth over the years, and my first visit was in 1985, and it's been reconstructed one, one, one or two times. But one of the happiest days I ever spent on the herb farm was in '91 when they um, opened the Saxon Maze, um, which is, 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 is there's, there's very few mazes like it left. Um, it's 
especially from the Saxon influence. Um, They've got a coffee shop there, haven't they? Yeah, it opened in 2003, Bill. It's the, it's the or- Orangery Coffee Shop, um, and it's been newly refurbished since then. Um, in 2006, 2006, it became Daisy's Coffee Shop where customers can enjoy an excellent menu and distinctive services any time of the day in a relaxed, comfortable and attractive garden surroundings. So, Sounds quite so, good, yeah, this no, farm. Honestly, mate, there's, honest, there's nothing like it. Okay, tell you something. So, it's, what's it, the Herb Farm? The Herb Farm, mate. It's uh, in Solon Common. In Solon Common. Okay, we'll Solent get... We'll, we'll, listen, we'll give, you know, if you want to we'll give directions to Beast fans who want to yeah. go there before the game. Anyone wants some Herb before yeah. the game. If you want some Herb before the game, the Herb Farm is the place to be. And for me, I mean, the Hexagon seems to be the place for me uh, as yeah. well. Um, the Hexagon, uh, we're not talking about six legs, but it's got sort of... Kind no, of no, the, the Hexagon's near the Winner's Triangle. Well, I mean, is the Winner's Triangle actually a triangle? Well, is, is the hexagon hexagon? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know. But we're going to find out. And Bees fans, maybe, if you want to come down there with myself to go down, we're going to find out. And if you want to make a weekend of it, because on the Friday they have the they have the George Michael legacy on, on, on Friday as well at the hexagon. A, a musical journey of 35 years of hit records from Wham! to George's solo career. And then, like I said, he's, he's Greek, so you can actually go on to the, the Greek Museum maybe on Saturday morning after that. And then later on you can come back and see Spamalot which is the legendary tale of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and it features a bevy... Oh, no, we're not allowed to talk um, about you, bevy. Um, you gonna, you're definitely going to go to the, the Wham thing. Well, I, I am. I haven't finished all about Spam a lot. Well, it's very if, important. If you do go, will you wake me up before you go-go? I will wake you up before you go-go, actually. Yes, of course I will do. About 7 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, that's fine. By me, that's yeah. fine, OK. I will do as well. But like I said to you, Spam a lot, Knights of the Round Table, and features a bevy... As we s- we're not allowed to talk about beer, though, are we? No. No, we're not. No. Or possibly a brace of beautiful showgirls, apparently. So listen. Two, isn't it? Three? Two. That's 74%. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, listen. We're going to go back to the weekend because, as you can hear, we're very jolly. We're very happy because we played Bolton. We beat Bolton. <coughs> two goals to nothing. It was a little bit difficult for us. Well, we are quite patient, but we got a goal quite late on in the end to actually seal the game and got 2-0. But forget about what we're going to say about this at the moment. Now, let's go back to the pub. Listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. The result was never in question, was it? I wouldn't say that, Bill. I one nil. I was yeah, squeaky bum time, but we should have put that game to bed. Yeah, long, long before we had our chances, we didn't put them away. But thankfully, didn't come back to bite us in the bum this time. At one point, we had 70% possession in that game. We we saw a lot of the ball, didn't we? We certainly did, and we looked really comfortable. But it was it was one of those when you're thinking again, we should have been scoring the goals just to show how comfortable we were in the game. It won't until the last, the last five minutes. We, the, the, it was a proper reflection on the game. Delighted to see Mope get that goal. That will do so much for his confidence. All round, it was a decent performance. We'll take that. But Neil Mope now got his confidence going up. We can only go forward. We must have more than a 20% chance to get into the playoffs now, eh? They're a big team, but they've got the right to do that. But we got the ball on the floor like we do well. And to be honest, it was never in doubt. I mean... Although they've got a lot of big players, we've got a lot of better players, and I think that's what's an advantage to Yeah, totally, but that patience is what's going to do us well. I mean, obviously the fans are going to get anxious with that, but when we put the ball on the floor against teams that aren't good in that way, we'll score goals. Yeah, I suppose, you know, it was uh, the result was everything today, I suppose. We didn't play amazingly well. 
the goal before the goal just before half time relaxed everybody. You could you could feel it. Um, and um, although we are a better team currently than Bolton, we got that we scored uh, the two goals at the right time. We've gone below the standards today that we've set for ourselves. And the only positive I'm going to take home when I go home later is that we won when we didn't really play very well. We actually had a bit of a discussion at 2-0 when we saw the uh, league table, three points from the playoffs. We thought, do we look like a team who are challenging for the playoffs? At any point during the season, have we looked like we've blown someone away? And I'm sort of like wondering, I'm not sure. But I still feel there's, play, I think there's potential for us to become that team. As soon as we took the lead, especially, we never really looked like doing anything other than winning, I think. I think it was quite a disciplined performance. Um, everyone had a 7 out of 10 game. A couple of nice goals. A really pleased Malpai scored as well. Eddie Howe was here today. And the question was, Eddie Howe, who is he trying to sniff out? What player do you think that Eddie Howe was watching? I don't think he was any of the Bolton players, do you? No, that's unlikely. The only players that we really have resale value on now are probably Ryan Woods and Ollie Watkins this team now if we sneak into the playoffs somehow we're not like a team who have robbed the championship it will be by probably a bit of luck a bit of form at the right time probably Judge comes back does well we have McConnell's at our mercy and he does well it, it, we have to, a lot of things have to align for us to become a team who get into the playoffs and establish ourselves and do well in reality is we're 10th place and you know we were, a lot needs to go away for that to happen so uh, yeah so I thought today we were we were, we were really good um, from start to finish I, I can't really knock them um, we struggled to break them down but once once we got that goal um, it, I, I, don't, I didn't really think it was in ever any doubt although you know we know that Brentford have struggled in the past to keep on to Leeds um, it, it, they seem to have sorted that out and I, you know, I can't, I can't praise Mepham and Bielend enough at the back. Um, I think we've stumbled across a partnership that's not only brilliant to uh, brilliant, you know, in terms of like defending leads. Um, it's just like it's a really healthy one. Someone with lots of experience, someone with hardly any. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's what you want. It has to be said there is a certain amount of jolliness in the pub after the game on Saturday it was almost like we'd overcome a, a bit of a hurdle Bolton potential banana skin they were because they were the type of team that Brentford could really slip up against we played teams like Barnsley you know we've teamed, played teams like well, so we played Burton and uh, we struggled because they come Sunderland's, and that lower team well Sunderland that's a different scenario because we did score three goals against them but we did struggle against teams like that but it was a different story and it's almost like we had a slightly different game plan with Bolton we were very patient we scored a, a goal just before half time which did us very well and then we still waited it out and we were still quite patient in the second half and then we nicked a goal at the very end and you listen to what the fans had to say there and they were very very happy indeed but I mean what I'll say is there's a few things that are happening in and around that game Sav well I, th- I felt it was a bit of a strange game because I was really comfortable throughout the game and I always felt that we was in control uh, but sort of then, then this you know I was sort of, I was standing next to John Restall who was like tweeting and stuff like that and this picture came up and I thought oh what's that 
and it was a picture of Eddie Howe and he was in the stands and I thought shit Eddie Howe's in the stands and I just suddenly felt a little bit deflated so I thought well there we were playing really brilliant football and I thought you know we really were playing good football controlled the game etc uh, but then I just felt just deflated and this is the whole bloody transfer window thing if Eddie Howe's in the stands I'm thinking, okay, who's he after? Who's he looking at? Who's he going to snatch away from us? Because this is the Premier League team and they can do that. And, and this is the question. I've got to go around the table here as well. Who do you think Hedy Howe may have been? Because he might, he might have just been there just to you know, catch a bit of football or catch up with some old mates or you know, try a bit of the old burgers down at Griffin Park. I mean, Gaz? Yeah, I heard a rumour that apparently he's now on 87 of the 92 grounds after his visit to Brentford. <laughs> Indeed, that's what, that's, what he, that's what he actually put on the, 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 the Bournemouth the um, message board, apparently, wasn't it? Ground, Laney? Ground hopping. <laughs> Laney? Um, well, you know, he's it, probably one of, one of three players, I, I would have thought. I can't, I can't see him being in for V-Bay or BLNs. Um, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, I don't think they fit Bournemouth's model. Um, they're going to be younger players that they can pick up for, for in Premiership terms, cheap. Um, but they won't get them for cheap. So it's, it's you know I think it's going to be Ryan Woods, um, it's going to be Ollie Watkins, um, or heaven forbid it may be our new defender. So Who? I'm not going to talk. I'm not even going to say his name. Well, Eddie's not listening. No, no, I'm not even going to say his name. Okay. Well, apparently. A new, is it like a trialist who played for the B team the other day? Exactly. A yeah. new defender. I'm, I'm not going to talk this guy up. He <laughs> plays next to BLN, but I'm not even going to say his name, just in case anyone else... Savvy B. Uh, yeah, I think the, the one that fits the model and the one that's... Uh, uh, sort of, you know, places like the Guardian are sort of putting in their top 10 non-premiership players and stuff like that is uh, Ollie Watkins. And, you know, he's very young. He's, he's you know, he's jumped two divisions... And in the last six months, has proved to be uh, a really competent player that's, uh, that's doing really well for us. So, yeah, it's Ollie Watkins is the obvious one, uh, but also he does have sort of players like uh, Harry Art and and um, is Harry Art the one at Newcastle? Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, he's he's sort of, he sold one to Newcastle and he's got one there, sort of smaller player, midfielder. So you know, Ryan Woods might might fit the bill as well. I mean. Again, the question that we asked, I can't remember if we asked this last week, but it's a very important question, is that, and we'll talk about it a little bit later about, you know, where Brentford are going this season, how they're doing. We sort of seem to have come from the embers. At one stage, we were actually rock bottom of this league. And I remember there was a few teams that were actually kind of mentioning it. They were like going, oh my God, we're playing Brentford, they're bottom. We got to beat them. I remember it was back in August, I think it was. Um, maybe it was September. But, you know, so we've come from rock bottom to where we are now, but we're still very much under the radar. But we've got our team intact. We're doing all right with the injuries. Players are coming out of injury. And we've got this horrible moment now, which is the January window, where potentially this can all sort of slightly fall apart a little bit if we pull these cogs up. Because at the moment, our, our house is standing together nicely. You know, the cement is put up there and it's put up very nicely and very happy. You put the heating on and everyone's happily sitting in the house and it's all good. All of a sudden, somebody may come and take a couple of bricks out and that can't, might disrupt things at the moment now. Now, I'm just thinking what the thinking will be because at the moment now... Everyone's got to be thinking we're going to be going somewhere. You know, the fans are thinking, hmm, we could feel something. And surely within the club they're thinking we, we might be able to sneak this. So what are the thoughts about players and them leaving and replacing them and this kind of scenario? What do you think? There's normally, um, you know, 
big rumour around one, if not two players at, at this kind of time. And you know, this time last year, it was Scott Hogan. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was inevitable. There were, it, it was it was he, he was going to go, and it was a matter of you know who to. And it, it, would, it was the old oh, I won't go to anyone outside the Premier League, blah blah blah. And you ended up at Villa. Um, so. We don't seem to have that clear and obvious. You know, there are clear and obvious players who we think kind of we know that other players would be looking at. They'd be mad not to. Um, but we've we've signed Ollie Watkins for one point eight or whatever it is million. Um, you know, he's going to be going for ten times that, or he's going to be going for seven or eight times that because you know we've got to replace. We've got then got to replace him, and you know sometimes we. Sometimes we want to probably afford someone a little bit more experience. You know, they, each one of these players that goes, you, can't, you don't guarantee you're going to replace him like for like. So sometimes you need a, a little bit more of a track record. So sometimes they might not get, they might not be as cheap. So, you know, we're halfway through the window. And to use your house analogy, no one's blown the chimney down yet. Um, if we lose one, I'd be... I'd be surprised still. I think I'm, I've got a feeling we might remain intact. If we, if one of them does go, it might be one of the Danes. Yeah, I mean, I just hope, as you say, I do. You know, fingers crossed, we can remain intact. I think it has been a problem in the last couple of years with us is that we've had this churn of the team settles down, then we hit a transfer window and people go and people come. But again, the system that we appear to have is set up to allow for that. And yes, it might take time to bed new players in, but I do think the reality is we do have to um, maximise what we can what we can bring on players. Yeah, I mean we've we've got a track record now, which is quite clear that we buy early and sell late, and that, that you know so that means that a decision has to be made if we're going to sell someone and not not replace them, and even if we do replace them, they might take time to get up to speed etc etc something you know we've we found in the past so uh, I think if we if we do sell one there's, there's a good chance we're not going to bring anyone in so this takes us back to uh, we are three points off the playoffs and you know what what is the gamble going to be this season is the gamble going to be we can let players go and we'll get through to the end of the season fine you know we're not going to go up we're not going to go down or do we take the gamble and say okay I don't care if anyone comes in for Bjelland or, or Vive, you know, we'll, we'll offer them a new contract and if they don't take it, then we'll just have to let them go at the end of the season. But we'll go for, go for promotion. So this is quite an interesting time. The next two weeks, I think, are going to be really, really interesting for us. I mean, obviously, and the thing about it, everyone says, are we selling players, are we buying players? At the end of the day, the selling normally happens when somebody comes in for a player. So same example, Vive, somebody comes in for Vive and they offer us £10 million for him, then he'll go. And if somebody doesn't come in for him and they don't offer us any money, he probably won't go so that's the scenario so it's always kind of like mainly instigated by the by the, the selling party um, the question I'm going to say though about Vibe is that and I suppose the, the question the buying party sorry the, the question that's flowing around with that, about Vibe is okay we've got let's say Vibe who's out there now if he goes because listen, listen he's, 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 his contract's over in four months time okay so we've always got to think actually there's every chance that he may go You've got to look at Brentford to think, you know, what have we got? You know, we've got Marcondes. Okay, it's very new. He was on the bench the other day. He didn't come in. But, you know, he's a, a young prospect and he's a prospect who did score goals beforehand at 
uh, the previous club that is at. We've got um, Ollie Watkins, who's been playing out wide and playing the tennis and all that, but he also he could play up front as well. And then you've got Malpay, who we're going to talk about in a minute. But Malpay is a goal scorer who, you know, we may moan and we may miss loads of chances, but like I said to you, we, we looked at a bit of stats on Malpay the other day, and to be quite honest with you, he actually hasn't done as bad as people have thought. It's just that he seems to get a load of chances and his, his shot percentage or his, his percentage of actually converting those is relatively low, just over 40% or something like that. But he gets a ridiculous amount of chances. Now, is he creating all the chances himself? We're going to talk about Malpay, lady. Yeah, I was just, you know, I've, I've said it I said it several times since the game, but I was just delighted to see Malpay back on, on the score sheet. He, he was starting to get written off by a few people. Um, there was a bit. There was a bit of a que- big question mark over him. And, you know, I'm not. I'm not bemoaning the people that were saying it necessarily. But you know, we are a very good championship team. And if there's, if we're, you know, if there's players that are in that team that don't seem to be cutting it, then you kind of you do query their place in the starting eleven. But or, or on the subs bench, considering how strong our bench is. Um, but with Morpay, I just, I just got this great feeling about him. I, I, he's, he's horrible, horrible kind of player to, to, to defend against. He, he does finish. We've seen it already. He started, off, he started off better than he's been in the last couple of weeks or the last month since the Cardiff, um, Cardiff viral miss. Um, but you know, he, he 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 didn't go crazy when he scored. It was kind of like, yeah, I'm back, and it was just like this real confident reaction to it. The players made a bit of a fuss of him as they should, their teammates. So, you know, and we we bumped into um, an, an OCG Nice fan um, in the forecourt who'd, um, with a, with his his friends and family who'd come all the way over from Nice to London to see Morpay. So, you know, he he spoke very highly of you know of his potential and the feeling was that Brentford have got a very very bright French prospect here he's, he's still a young kid he's still in his first few months of living in London you know he's only going to get better and you know and, and I'm sure from from what I've seen he's got he's got the makings of a really good striking future at Brentford so listen let's just hark back to the game on Saturday let's listen to what the OGC the OGC OCD the OCD OGC Nice fan had to say about Neil Malpay yes we have the OGC Nice fans in the house today and you've come all the way from France today to see Neil Malpay is that correct exactly yeah so tell me about Neil Malpay because Brentford fans know about him but we don't know too much tell me what kind of a player he was in oh, France I'm a big fan of Neil Malpay because he's a, a, a goleador for me uh, you know his mentality okay. uh, he likes to, to fight uh, for every every balloon um, he never give up and this is why I really really appreciate this player I mean we have seen this with Neil Malpay for us um, he is very early so he needs to learn the game in England yeah. um, uh, he scored a fair few goals but then he missed that one very terrible goal at Cardiff and I we feel it. that did his confidence very very bad down no I don't think this uh, impact of his um, his mentality uh, you know every good player missed sometimes I know this one was um, a really uh, a bad mistake but uh, I don't think uh, this is the real Neil Mopé 
today you've seen the real Neil Mbappe, you saw. Well, you saw we that? said we said today that we said that he came back and he had a different attitude. You see that he was had the passion and he looked a lot more confident than he has been in the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I can't see every every game in France, but when I see him in the um, on the pitch, you know, every time he, he fights for for every ballon and. Uh, This is very important for me. And tell me, I mean, in France, how was how 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 was Neil Barpe when he played in France? I, I mean, he was meant to be the, the the biggest star when he was at what was it Montpellier and uh, was it not not Montpellier but Saint Etienne. Saint Etienne. Saint Etienne. Saint Etienne. Yeah. yeah. Then he went to Brest. Was it after that? Yeah. Yes. So he was meant to be the the brightest star, the next big thing. I don't know. He was very young when he when he became in in France, you know. So I think now he's is more. I don't know how to say. I'm sorry, but he's more, you know, uh, calm. He's calmer. Yeah. yeah. So so he got more responsibility on the t on the pitch, and um, he he become a, a good player. Day after day. Yes. So now at Brentford, it's interesting. You come all the way from France to Brentford to see. How was your day today? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, really. The, the everything is really nice and really good, and I appreciate Brentford. And uh, I'm going to to speak about Brentford in France. You know, yeah. uh, it's the same kind of. Um, of Vibe, yeah, vibe, yeah. yeah, vibes like in Nice, yes. where I come from, yes. and uh, I like this, and um, yeah, everybody is really sympathetic and sweet with us, and uh, really I enjoy this okay. day. Okay, and your name is Jean Christophe. Jean Christophe, listen, yeah. Jean Christophe, welcome to the Brentford family. You've Thank come you back again. Very much, with okay. pleasure. Right. Thank you, sir. So yeah, the OGC Nice fan, very, very, very respectful, very excited about Neil Malpay. Flew all the way over here to come and see him play, as you heard. And uh, interesting stats, because like I said to you, Neil Malpay, if you look around on social media, people are getting quite frustrated because he had missed a lot of chances. But what was interesting is that if you actually sort of crunch those numbers, let's just have a little look around. And in his record, actually, he actually seems to create an enormous amount of chances on goal. So he's actually created three less chances than Ollie Watkins. So he's created 49. Ollie Watkins has created 52 chances. But Malpe's actually only played two-thirds the amount of minutes of Watkins. So he's played 1,538 minutes for Brentford, whereas Watkins has played 2,244. And everyone's you know, talking about Watkins, the hot shot, and he's out there and the biggest in the championship. But I think that's quite interesting, the fact he seems to be creating chances, which is very key for our scouting department and our stats team they love strikers who can create chances and especially create chances on their own that is very key I mean Andre Gray was a player that apparently did that he was brilliant at creating his own chances and getting them out of there also interestingly he has created 10 more chances than Lasse Vibe who scored six goals okay um And he's also had 25% more playing time than Lasse Vibe, who's had 1,053 minutes. The difference, though, is that Lasse Vibe has a better percentage of his shots on target. He's had 54% percentage of his shots on target. Watkins has had 44% of his shots on target. And Malpe has 43%. So basically, looking at those figures, it's like Malpe is getting in there, he's causing problems, he's getting loads of chances... He's not scoring loads of chances, but he's still scored a fair amount of goals. I think he scored, is it seven goals, six or seven? Seven goals, I think it is, he scored, which is a fair, you know, it's all right. He scored a amount of goals, but he's getting the opportunities. And the way that Brentford does, they bring him in fairly raw and they train him up. So 
I mean, it's only January now, and our season actually starts in January normally. So hopefully by March or April, he'll actually be up to speed. So this is all a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is his first season in the, uh, in the English leagues. But there is also another interesting stat. But uh, he is the top scorer in all four divisions, I think, uh, coming off the bench. I think he's got scored five of his goals off the bench. And that is the best return so far this season for many of the leagues. And, you know, the, the other thing to remember as well, yes, it is his first season. And one of the, one of the terms I kind of I remember um, from earlier on in the year was one of the DOF said about players learning Brentford's patterns of plays. Um, and, and, you know, so Ollie Watkins and Neil Morpay were two, you know, Vibe's, you know, he, he's been here a couple of years. He, he, should have, he should know them. Fans probably don't really know what the patterns of play are, what they get to on the on the training pitch, the kind of the sequences they they, 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 they they sort of prepare. They know that they can they can mix it. They do this this time and the next one it goes this way. Things to confuse. It's very intricate. It's, you, know, you need to be an intelligent player, and you need to be then you need to be fluent and, and, and get it like um, you know. It's almost like learning a second language. Probably it's just so it's, so it's like it's like a natural thing. You know what's going to come your way. You know what run to make. So these, these these things take a little bit of time, and you know we need we need to just get off his back a bit and just you know he's he's clearly got the right attitude, he's clearly got the ability, and you know the stats the stats are there. He obviously needs to get better, you know, but he's a young he's a young rookie, and 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 that is exactly the kind of players that we have, you know, sit back, let him let him flourish, let him, and then everyone will be moaning that why are we selling him? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where. Strikers and goalkeepers are people. People tend to see them as you know. Goalkeepers would be judged on how many goals they let in, and strikers would be judged on how many goals they score. So that's why people will get on his back if they don't see him scoring a lot of goals. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And talk about getting on people's backs and getting out there on the pitch before the match. Yes, certain people that lead the players out. They're normally sort of four or five or six years old, little mascots as they do, but. There was a different twist on Saturday's game, wasn't there, Gary? Yeah, very much. I must admit, I was a bit jealous when I saw this. But um, there was a gentleman, a Wolverhampton fan, whose um, whose mates for his stag do decided decided to um, bring him up to um, decided to um, give him a day as a mascot at Brentford. Um, a little surprise for him on his stag do. And he was about, well, was about four years old, wasn't he? Yeah, I think they said he was thirty-eight, but um, you know, it was two years. Yeah, so, so I mean, so, so I mean, interesting, interesting. I mean, Sam. Yeah, no, he, he was in full kit as well, which was lovely. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he was he was a Wolves fan, but you know, but you know the uh, it was you know the Bolton game, and it was just like a really ridiculous thing to do. And uh, I mean, well done, his mates. But a really fantastic thing to do. At least he did it, Bill. At least he, you know. Explain. There, well, you know, there were around the birthday that you had just before Christmas. Some friends of yours that aren't sitting too far away was part of a little consortium that chipped in to have you as a mascot for the Brent to lead Brentford out against Fulham in the uh, the three-one win. But um, it, it didn't didn't happen, did it, Bill? It didn't happen because I was I was quite busy that day. I had other, other things to do. Okay, mate. Yeah, that's fine. I, I wouldn't have done it either. If I'm honest. <laughs> <with you. laughs> it was true, actually. So it's, it's quite interesting. This popped up because, to be fair, my mates, cheers, mates, they had actually chipped in for me to be mascot at the Fulham match. And uh, I, I did have plans. I had all sorts of stuff going on. I had the family coming down and everything like that. And it just wasn't possible. 
and uh, so I postponed it for, uh, for for later on in the season. But now it's been done by the Wolves fan. You know, it just it doesn't need to be done anymore. I, I did say there's a very low percentage chance of you doing doing it as a mascot. <laughs> you know, and we know how important percentages are, Bill. That's right. It was a 74 percent chance apparently. 74 chance, yeah. Right. And what's the um, what's the chances of um us going up this year though. well interesting you should say that because there is actually not quite 74% chance of us going up but the, the, the odds have been creeping up and up and up as we talked about I mean I had a bet before Christmas and I got the odds on that one but now um, I think we were about 8% chance at the beginning of the year but I think that the, the percentages have gone up to roughly about 20% chance of us going up at the moment now um, so which is quite interesting and quite exciting and what you can see is you can feel a little buzz with Bees fans and it's not like falling like way like the beginning of the season because everyone got excited because of our run at the back end of last season it's almost a little bit like we're under the radar let's keep under the radar no one's really taking us seriously it's under the radar but we've been seeing the way we've been playing all season we've been playing very well and we've been saying it and everyone's laughing at us and going what are you talking about but now it's coming to fruition to a certain extent and I think I mean the Bolton game was very key and we, we missed that banana skin but this Reading game is also going to be key because they've been playing terribly we'll talk a little bit later with the Reading fans about that we'll talk about it ourselves but it's almost like we need to get a result there to get the momentum going but trust me at the moment now we're not too far off maybe where we may have been um, the season when we actually got to the playoffs where we had that little run and that little momentum thing going on and we just need to keep it going. Yeah, you see how quickly things change because I know that, you know, I know you kind of um, had a kind of a sample of how, what the likelihood was um, after, um, just before Christmas, before the Wolves game or just after the Wolves game and then we've had one more game since where we won but then results elsewhere helped us to get closer to the, the, the you know the playoff pack um, so you know as you, as you say this this form this 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 momentum it really pe- pe- the bookies especially now are taking us very seriously whether other fans of other clubs are who knows I, I doubt they are still um, we are with you know we're, we're probably like one of the least favorites in terms of like other fans thinking we're going up but you know, we, we've known, and you said it. You said it earlier on in the season. We were bottom, you know, in in August and early September, probably. But we we weren't we weren't ever bottom in terms of how we were playing. And we were never worried. We were never no. We were never worried. You know, absolutely. Well, I've, I I bored everyone on this podcast saying it's a nine month season, and and I and I and I maintain that it is. And you know, it, you, you you can say we're crap in in mid in the end of or beginning of May, um, but you don't say it at the beginning of August when you're playing well. The one thing I have thought about is that since we since we went on this run um, after our poor start results-wise, we have recovered from defeats very quickly, which we haven't done in the past two seasons. We've gone on these runs of 10, 12 games without a win a couple of times. This time we've lost, and then within two weeks we're winning again. If we can keep that going, I don't see why we can't definitely great crash the playoffs and maybe do more. And I'm going to just make a quick point about because we have to remember as well. We the only game that we've lost at home is against in the league. This is is against Nottingham Forest, and that was our first home game of the season. We were pretty gutted about that. And to be quite honest with you, we probably shouldn't have won that one. But I think they caught us a little bit unaware. Mark Warburton came out and he really wanted to beat us. They beat us and you know worldy goal here and you know nonsense and defending and stuff like that but you know at least we could have got a draw in that game if not we should have beaten them okay fair enough that game's long in the past now but if we didn't lose against Forest we would have actually been unbeaten at home and people look at that record and think oh my god 
fortress Griffin Park. They've not been beaten at home. You have a look at that. But psychologically, if we just chop the beginning of the season off and uh, there's one game less, you know, we're kind of unbeaten at home. We, but we had, we had Harley Dean in the team then. Yeah, anyway, so Savvy B. Well, if you look at the table, it really looks like the, the top 13 teams are the ones that stand a chance of uh, going up. And if you so, and if you if you think that you've got those thirteen teams, and you've got four, you've got two that are just going to go up automatically, and you've got four playoff places. That's pretty much half the teams involved in that are going to be in a playoff place or or go up. So, if you look at if you think about twenty percent, and we are just three points off of those playoff places, twenty percent is about right. A twenty percent chance of us going up sounds about right. Although it's probably about a 35, 40% chance of getting into the playoffs. And then, you know, obviously that reduces. Um, in theory, it's a, a quarter chance, but I think the, the odds work out quite differently. But it's also, as people said, take off the first eight games where we only got four points. Our, our record is actually really, really good at the moment. Um, but my worry, as always, is when, when are we going to fall off the cliff? When are we going to have that shit run again? Well, as I said, we're not... Hopefully, when as, as I mentioned a moment ago, hopefully we're not going to go. We're not going to have that bad run. Um, one thing I did notice is, I mean, see what type of team Wolves are. They didn't look anything like that at Griffin Park when we played them. You look at Bristol City; they're up there, and they were lucky to get anything out of the game at Griffin Park. So even when we weren't winning those games, we were playing good teams. And although we weren't winning those games, we were, you know, we were unlucky in those games. We just got to um, continue not drawing games, and that's, and that's what we've we've got out of the habit of not quite being good enough to win a game, and we, we we're actually winning games now or losing them. So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with losing a game if you, as you as you said, Gary, you know we, we don't wallow in it. We just get back on the bike and we, we win we win two or three, win 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 two or win three, lose one, win two, win three, lose one. We're 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 well on course. Okay, I, mean, I was going to bring this up a little bit later when we took the reading section, but I'm going to bring it up now because we're talking about winning and, and, and percentages and going up. And uh, we're talking stats at the moment now. Some people hate it, some people love it, but the fact it's there, the bookies use it, so everyone talks about whether we're not going to be 10 to 1 or 2 to 1. It's just there, right? So let's just talk about it. Last season, very interestingly, Reading were like in the top six, right? They're in the top six for a period of time. However, some people may or may not know this. The stats people out there in the bookies world and also in, in, in our world, you know, the people that crunched them numbers were like confused. They were like going, Reading are not a top six side in our world. Reading are actually about 18th in the league, right? They're like a bottom six side as opposed to a top six side. They got to the playoffs, they got to the playoff final and they lost to Huddersfield on penalties. However, as far as the stats people were concerned, this was kind of like, it was, this was complete and utterly upside down. Interestingly, at the same time, Bristol City were a team that they thought were actually a top six side last season now, but it didn't reflect. So now we've come 12 months on, and it seems that there's a proper reflection of what was going on there as well. We talked to the Reading fans about that as well, but that is actually quite interesting because, at the end of the day, yes, you can't put these figures and put 100% on them because things come out of the blue. But also, on the, on the flip side of it, you have to kind of take notice of what's going on and, and the, the patterns are happening and the teams are coming through. And if a team is a good team that's doing the right things, you know, these things obviously clock up in certain areas, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, and, you know, the, the way we've been sort of... I, use, I will use the word educated. You know, we, we've, we've had our minds open to a, a world where it was, it was a little bit more binary. It was a little bit about winning and losing. 
um, and we didn't really quite have to really understand the the sort of like the deeper the, the more analytical the the more kind of structured research that goes on um, now because of really because of the owner and because of the setup of a club and the way that he's planning our future the business model you know unless you want to stick your head in the sand and just hark back to the old days you need to kind of embrace to a certain extent you need to embrace it to understand it if you don't understand it you're going to be mystified by what goes on well, well, I'm just sorry to interrupt you but I don't think you have to understand it because a lot of people don't understand it and they don't have to because you don't have to be mathematicians to understand it but sometimes you might have to just think okay tell you something that kind of makes sense or that's right but you you don't need to understand the, the finite mathematics no, 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 of it no, no no you don't need to understand it to a degree where you're actually able to do what they do with them you know they, they've got teams of people that are number crunching and then they're kind of like they, 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 they've got they've got a, a, you know, a, just like departments of people who are looking at all kinds of all kinds of data and, and, and analysing it and then passing it on to someone else and then acts on it you know we, we, we've done the how it works thing quite quite a lot on this on this podcast and, and on the fanzine and online um, so you know you, you need to have confidence I would say as much as you need you need some sort of understanding of how it's working and why we, we haven't got the academy anymore why we're doing it this way and not that way you know why why we are why we are a selling club why we have to be a selling club FFP you know, all this stuff, it, it, it impinges on how we operate. Moving to a new stadium, downscaling, re- taking the risk out. All of that stuff affects, it's, it's part of this big Brentford pie. And you do have to kind of understand it a bit. Now, you haven't got to understand it so you're kind of fluent in it and you can lecture on it. But, you know, you, you needs to be a certain amount of buy-in. And what I, what I mean by that is then, but then you can kind of understand how your club is set up and how it performs against other clubs and, and the so-called bigger clubs and you can see how badly set up they are and how and how okay they might have a lot more fans than us and they might spend a lot more pounds per week on their players than us and they might be able to have bigger they might have bigger um, parachute payments than us but really they're just a badly run club and that doesn't bring success Wolves have bucked the trend this year they've actually got it right so far um, and you know, but there's you know the Leeds is and the, they're, they're learning from us. They're learning from little old Brentford. Well, you talk about Leeds. I mean, interestingly, I mean we got laughed out of court, as you would say if you were in court. Um, but we laughed, laughed out of court for a, a number of the practices that we did, especially again around the Warburton era. Oh, we got coach. you know free kick coach. We got absolutely <coughs> coated for the free kick coach. You know, Gianni View he came in for a couple of days, then he got sent home. You know, and then he came back a, a, a couple of months where, where, later. Where's he now? And he came back a couple of months later, and then he was at Brentford for a year. He did his business, and then we got rid. You know, not get rid, but he left to go wherever he did do, and then we got a new, another free kick coach him, and then. He's turned up at another club, hasn't he? Oh, surprise, surprise. Where? Um, the Herb Farm in Reading. <laughs> what club is he at? Um, at Leeds. He's at Leeds United, and they're very happy with him, aren't they? Oh, they're raving about him. Yeah. Absolutely raving about him. Their free kicks are brilliant. And the journalists are now raving about him. They're going, oh, we've got this free kick coach, and he's got these brilliant free kicks. But it's like, oh, he's the same free kick coach that was at us, doing all these free kicks. We're going, ho, 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 Brentford free kick coach. So it's, it's cool. We don't like mean don't mind being pace setters and being out there and doing this kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes you've got to take the punches if you are setting the paces because you are in a game which is very traditional and it doesn't really like change. No, it doesn't like change, but you know you've got to be consistent as a journalist. Surely you can't you can't ridicule one team for doing 
something and then champion another team for doing exactly the same because it's them. Oh, if Leeds are doing it, it must be all right. But they're champions of Europe, don't forget. Champions of Europe. Brentford are doing it. Oh, God, what are those crazy dudes doing down there now? Are you actually surprised that journalists are somewhat partial? No, no, not, no, not really. But I, 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 from the younger ones, I, I, I'm surprised. Yeah, the, the old hacks, no, not really. They, they, they like Martin Samuel's. You, you never. They, they dislike things as they, they are. They, their, their little world doesn't need any change. They don't want, to, they don't want to reinvent themselves. They can moan about the same players and blooming the, the dirty Leeds team of the seventies, and they, they, they don't want things to change necessarily. But, you know. But anyway, listen. On a positive note, I just want to say. Um, if you've just noticed, and talking about stats and records and how things are, Ooh. in the last couple of years, I mean, Dean Smith's been with us, this is his, you know, coming to his third year as a Brentford manager, and the last two years that he's been Brentford manager, if you've noticed, Brentford have actually not picked up their form and their game plan and their game and the way they play until they get knocked out of the FA Cup. So the first year, remember, it was, uh, was, was, it, Chelsea, was it Chelsea? No, 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 it was Walsall. It was Walsall the first year, and then after Walsall, we went woohoo, and we just did absolutely brilliantly. No, we, didn't, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't. No, we didn't. The Walsall one, it was a long time before we picked up Athens. Yeah, well, you know, what I'm saying, it was after, it was after Walsall. I mean, it was. Two months ago. Um, yeah, no, a month, yeah, month and a half after, but that's not the point. What I'm trying to say is that we pick up in the new year. It's not about, it's not about August to September for us, it's about the new year. So we get knocked out of the FA Cup, then we decide that we're going to pick ourselves up. So we picked us up after Walsall, and then last year we picked ourselves up after Chelsea. And we just straight away after Chelsea. So we kind of learned from the Walsall experience. So what I'm trying to say to you is that I think it was a ploy that we got knocked out by Notts County of the FA Cup last week because the Notts County and the FA Cup is, is, is a distraction. Distraction to us picking ourselves up. So the fact that we got it out of the way now and we've beaten Bolton, hopefully we're on a bit of a run, Laney. Yeah, hopefully we are. Um, but there's more important numbers to be talking about, Bill. Big, big numbers, mate. Yeah, well, we talked about the 750,000 listeners a bit earlier. I know you want me to mention it again, but we talked about the 750,000 listeners, which is all good, which you're coming up to. Three quarters of a million, Bill. Three quarters of a million, indeed. But listen, we've got other bits and pieces that we're going to talk about as we go around Griffin Park, we go around the Hive, and we just go around this pub to get another beer. We're not allowed to talk about beer, are we? Um, crisps. Crisps, actually. We're going to talk about crisps. We bring you the Football Village News. Away matches, Reading tickets, the last batch of 400 tickets have been on sale. £20 they are. That's taking our total up to just under 3,000 fans. And when we last checked, tickets still on sale, but very limited. So get in there if you want to go to Reading. It's going to be an absolutely wicked laugh. We've got a preview with handbags from the Tile Earth End podcast and blog. It's going to be on the website probably Thursday evening. Plus, we also chat to Becca White from the Tile Earth End later on in this podcast. Also, the tickets for the Sunderland game have gone on sale. I think they're £25. Reading are £20, by the way. But Sunderland, I think they're £25. Um, and they've gone on sale to season ticket holders at the moment now. I think it's two per head or four per head. But check it out on the Besotted, or not the, the Brentford website, actually. And uh, We might even put a link through from the Besotted website to the Brentford website. Go for Sunderland. That's meant to be the BG, the big game of the season. Train tickets have been on sale for a while, but because of the FA Cup run, people didn't buy train tickets until later. There's still cheap ways to get up to Sunderland. We may give you a little bit of those hints, which we put out to be sorted in a couple of days after we've managed to buy our tickets as well which is all good um, people are taking trains and planes and boats and all sorts of stuff mini buses. mini buses as well but if you break your journey up it ends up being cheaper 
Also, the Norwich match, we thought it might be postponed next week because they were nil all with uh, Chelsea. But Chelsea look like they've gone 1-0 up. The game's still in progress. Um, it might be finished by now, actually. It's all over. It's 1-0. It's 1-0. So it's the 90th-minute equaliser. So the, the Norwich game is still in jeopardy. We may have a weekend off. We will see. And as we go Thursday morning, you will know more than we do. Come on, the Norwich. Come on, the Norwich. XB Watch. Talking about the XBs, Adam Forshaw, as we know, Super B for Brentford. We loved him when he was at Brentford. Then he did a little bit of a sneaky one when he did the old strike, allegedly. And um, Uwe Rosler decided to bring him to, to Wigan at the time. You know, forced a little move to Wigan. And it didn't go down particularly well with the Bees fans. So he did come for a little bit of abuse when he came down there. The old Hotter song was sung to him, which he thought was quite funny. But anyway, he went to Wigan. Didn't work out too well for him. He jettisoned after four months. He thought, what the hell am I doing here? Ended up with a great move to, to Borough. They got promoted after a couple of seasons, but he wasn't really a key player for Borough. You know, he played a couple of games for them, and now he's been completely and utterly sidelined, and there's a couple of teams who are fighting for him, which are both Leeds and Cardiff battling for his signature. And uh, if he was going to put money on that, who do you think he'd go to, Laney? Um, I'll go to Leeds, personally. Why? Well, he's, 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 a, he's a Liverpool lad. He's um, not, not a long way from home. Um, I know Cardiff were uh, Cardiff have not they, they've, they've pulled out of pulled out of it uh, apparently um, but uh, yeah no for sure I've, I've got I've got good, really good memories and you say he was a bit part player probably at, at Middlesbrough but he did enough to be on the fringes of the England squad for a, for a little bit um, so he, he did have he did have a good he, he did have a good spell he's another one he needs to get his career back on track he needs he needs constant first team football he need this won't be his last move. Leeds is a stepping stone for him back to the Prem Leeds aren't going to go to the Prem but he, he'll go back he's, he's good enough I mean that's another example again of a player with the agent made him made a move made him force a move allegedly we have to put these allegedly in because our lawyers are listening into this one as well but if you know if allegedly if you can see our faces you know exactly what we mean about that one but allegedly um, the lawyer, his, his agent made him make a move for that one and I think he must have looked back on that scenario and thought actually I fluffed it because I think when he moved to Wigan when I'm moving to a bigger team here and then within six, four months he jettisoned from there and we were in the playoffs and I think Vorshaw turned around and thought listen if I was going to move even if I moved the following summer like Andre Gray and everyone else did I would have been in a much better position and probably would have even got a Premier League move Yeah I, I doubt it's been an expensive mistake for him let's be honest you know, I'm sure he's been laughing all the way to the bank but it's not been a great footballing move for him that's for sure That's true just true Talking about other XBs this is not quite an XB this player but what he did is that, if you remember, it was three years ago, almost like today, where we decided to trial a player for our... I think it might have been the academy at the time, because I don't think we had the B team at the same time. So we had an academy, and we set up a game with Crystal Palace, and we trialled a player called Keishi Anderson. And he played for a team called Barton Rovers, if I remember rightly. This Keshi Anderson came in and he scored a hat-trick by half-time. So allegedly, apparently what happened is that Crystal Palace, who we set up the game with, took him into the carpool afterwards and signed him up. And Brentford are really, really gutted about that. Anyway, he went to Palace and he's very happy and they've given him money and whatever he did do. He never appeared for Palace in the three years that he was with them. He went to Swindon on loan, I think it was at the beginning of the season. He's made 22 appearances for them. He scored four goals, two assists, and Swindon Town have just now signed him. So... First thing I'll say to Crystal Palace, selfish Palace, because they only signed him because we wanted him. You know, we set up the game with him and then they signed him. So they were selfish and they kept him to themselves. They never played him and now he's in Swindon Town. But it's interesting because we'll never know. But, 
you know, if Casey Anderson decided to stay with Brentford and all of a sudden he was gone through the academy and then into our B team setup, do you think you would have probably had met more chance of a championship um, setup or playing than, than now? Possibly, you know, possibly it may, it may not have worked out at Brentford. He could have been at Wickham, but um, yeah, I, I think he, he went to he, the, the jump was too big for him, and you know, he, 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 you know, I can see why he did it. Let's be honest with you, but you know, it's. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult. You, you're, you're taking a real proper punt on your chances. Brentford would have been the, the right stepping stone, as it's been proved elsewhere. While we're, while we're still talking about the football village, it's been pointed out to me that Paris Saint-Germain have beaten Dijon eight 0 tonight, and I thought Dijon were mustard. Dijon were pretty good the last time I saw them, but I mean, obviously not as good as we yeah, as yesterday. No, 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 indeed, in, in, indeed. We're coming back to Keshi Anderson as well. Um, do you think that Palace were selfish? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's selfish, but that's how football is these days. I remember I had a friend of mine who um, he was involved with. I think it's Staines, and um, you know, it's some of the youths down there. And there was a guy that apparently we were interested in bringing him in when we had our academy, and as were Chelsea and. He said to me, yeah, I've advised him to go to Brentford because he said at Chelsea, the chance of you making it through there is zero. But the guy went to Chelsea. You know, the kid went to Chelsea and realistically, anybody's going to make that decision. I mean, you see in the news, they were talking about the Man City player who's on 25 grand a week, never played a game and he's just bought a mansion. And, you know... That, I don't think Keshi Anderson bought a mansion, though. No, I'd imagine not. But to be honest, um, no mansion in Manchester, or you know, we get one bedroom flat in South London, Swindon. So, oh yeah, Swindon, exactly. Oh, mansion, yeah. That's right. He's yeah. doing that. So listen, uh, new rules, new school. Apparently, there's some new rules flying around Sav, and, and you, you're a bit confused by this. I mean, going to football matches, you know, we listen. We're going to put heads down. We say, listen, security is very important all day long especially what's been going down no one agrees with what's going down with all these characters doing all sorts of nonsense and all that kind of stuff you know what I'm saying trying to blow people up and stuff like that so the fact that you've increased the security at football matches inside venues at gig venues wherever you go to everyone bows down to that and say that's cool we'll accept having to queue up for another five or ten minutes to ensure that security is better so we're cool with all of that however the change of rules are quite interesting aren't they Sev? Yeah, uh, the, these are rules that I believe have come in throughout the uh, the football league, and uh, so, some of them are a bit a bit strange. Um, things that you you can't. I mean, I'm just going to. I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them are really obvious. You know, things like knives and weapons. But uh, there no are knives. <coughs> no, no, no knives. But there are a couple of things that are going to going to cause a, a few issues. I think for people, one of them is uh, laptops and computer tablets, and I think a lot of people with with children, especially. Who, uh, who just sit there playing with their tablets throughout the game uh, are, are going to f- find it quite difficult. Um, <clears throat> there's also uh, flasks and uh, solid, well, they're called solid containers and flasks. Now, I mean, there's loads of people at Brentford who pull out their flasks at half-time and, and have, a, have a sort of drink of soup or bovril or whatever it is. So, so th- that's not allowable anymore. Uh, <clears throat> video recording equipment, yeah, c- kind of understand that anyway. Uh, but, Does that mean include mobile phones? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, small compact cameras are okay. Uh, large bodied cameras, which, I mean, which they mean uh, 
uh, SLR cameras are not and obviously straightforward video recording equipment so it's quite odd because a GoPro which is tiny is video recording equipment so you know there, there's going to be a few few issues coming up here uh, the, the one that really sort of stood out for me was uh, was a couple there was flares so anyone you know, any sort of hippies got to be a bit careful about what they wear uh, uh, poles as well which I think is a bit harsh especially for us in Ealing because Ealing is, is the centre of, of the Polish community isn't it exactly I, I thought we were trying to trying to attract uh, people from, from all these different communities but you know it's there in black and white you know no, no, no poles I'm afraid and uh, uh, also tools which I think you know they might as well shut the half the away end yeah no, no tools allowed does that, um, does that include ratchets and hammers and carving knives and spanners uh, I think I, I think Talk Station may stop uh, advertising on the hoardings. Oh, yeah. well, I've noticed the battery, the battery offers no longer there. It's um, more. It's ten pound delivery on orders over forty quid now. Okay, so you've you've got it all. If you went to just go onto the um, to the Brentford website, and it'll tell you exactly probably a list of more things that you're not allowed to bring into the game than the things that you're allowed to bring into the game as well. Talking about a few other things as well. We talked last week about the Player of the Month, the PFA Player of the Month, which was basically the, we call it the social media player of the month and we said that vbay who was voted for it and we we're very happy that he's nominated for it he wouldn't get it and surprise surprise vbay didn't get the manager of the month and scott carson from leeds united did get the manager of the month because skis at leeds united are a champions of europe and b they've got about three million fans all around the world what a surprise <laughs> so which is all good but also um sawyers was actually the championship player of the month as well from the sky bet as they call it the championship player of the month and he didn't win that one either but you know <laughs> did some some the boot boy that leads he won that did he That's probably i think that was so we, we're not bitter you know but we just thought we'd mention that call as well us, call us cynics yeah. but we know how it works that's right listen as well listen we're going to talk about that because this is our new little section the football village news and we're trying to bring you news in and around the football league and also around griffin park we've signed a new player He's not quite to the first team, not yet anyway, but his name is Jako Okansen. He's Finnish, he's 17 years old, he's signed from HJK Helsinki, and he's 17. He, he actually made his debut at 16 for Helsinki, who are a big team in Finland, and he's actually plays for the under-19 Finnish squad, even though he's only 17. And he plays alongside the Brentford B-team teammate, teammate Marcus Force. He's a defensive or central midfielder. He's intelligent. He reads the game very well, whether or not it's breaking up play, anticipating the second ball, breaking up lines with his passing. And uh, But he's in pre-season at the moment now, so he's struggling a little bit to play 90 minutes, so they're building him up to the time when we head to Ireland to play Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers, which, well, Dundalk, so we're Dundalk. We're, when we get to Dundalk, can't we? There's, there's talk of it, mate. I, we need to, um, we need to tuck it. Book a flight. Yeah, we need to, we need to sort ourselves out. Yeah. The B team are playing Dundalk on the I think it's the seventh of February, and we're going to be going out there to Dundalk. We're thinking of actually maybe even go to the Shamrock Rovers game, but I think that was probably the drink talking. We're not allowed to talk about. It's less, lo- it's less loyal to do yeah, that. It is less loyal to do that. So we'll go for the Wednesday night game. It looks like Dundalk podcast from Ireland would be quite a good one. I think. A Wednesday night podcast from Ireland. If anyone else fancies going there as well, yeah. No, seriously, if, if anyone fancies out the B team game in Ireland that Wednesday we let's all get together we can do a podcast in a pub so let, let's we, we can have a properly and expanded one there that'll, that'll be a brilliant thing to do which is all good but listen other than that we talk about B team they drew with Exeter three all last week David Titoff he gave us the lead Zane Westbrook got us back because Exeter scored a couple of goals and then they 
came again and they went ahead again and then Person Rodriguez Alves scored in the last 10 minutes to secure a hard-fought draw. It's interesting to see the side there as well because it had, obviously, a lot of B-team players in there. Um, Judgey played for about 70 minutes. He was substituted by, um, well, a player that seems to play for quite a lot of teams, a trialist. Yeah, I like him. I think he's got a big future in the game. He's got a big future in the game. We might even sign him, a trialist as well. McLeod as well played for... He's the son of Barry Trialist who played for Liverpool. That's right, indeed. Also, we signed him. McLeod played for 40 minutes and then he was uh, was substituted for for Rhys Cole, who's a friend of the Besotted Podcast, who was on the Besotted Podcast just before Christmas as well. Rhys Cole, big up to Rhys Cole as well. So he's been playing up there. He was injured for a while, so he's back as well, which is all good. And the B team are actually playing Reading on Sunday. We're playing Reading on Saturday, the first team, and the B team are playing Reading on Sunday. Double header, then they're playing them again away on the Wednesday. So on the Sunday, they're playing up at Jersey Road, one o'clock kickoff. Or I might stay down the old herb garden then for the night. No, 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 they're playing on, uh, at Jersey Road. But you can stay down there if you want. Yeah, no, I will stay there, yeah. Stay there if you want. Clean Claire's, Claire's Cafe. That's right, Claire's Cafe. You do what you want. But anyway, that was the first edition of the Football Village News. We'll be back with more news next week. So Saturday, bees are down the motorway going to Reading. And we've got to talk to one of our buddies, the Tarhurst End crew. They're a good bunch of lads and lasses, and they know everything about Reading. So we're going to talk to Becca from the Tilehurst End Crew. She's going to tell us everything that she knows about Reading. So, Saturday, a short trip down the M1 to Reading Stadium. just off the motorway if you actually decide to go by car, but I know a lot of bees are going by train, maybe some by plane, some by automobile, some by boat even, like, you know what I'm saying? But they'll all be there. 3,000 Brentford fans in the house, but there's going to be a lot of noise made from the away end. Reading have had a bit of an iffy run as of late, but they've uh, picked themselves up last night with a win in the FA Cup against Stevenage. So, just to get a little bit of a vibe and feedback of what's been going down in Reading Town, we speak to Becca White from the Tilehurst End blog and podcast. Becca, how are you doing? Uh, hi, how are you? I'm cool, cool. I'm telling you, you're probably feeling a little bit better after last night's result, aren't you? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, we've been quite a long time without a win, so even if it was lower league opposition in the FA Cup, it's, it's quite a nice feeling to, to get a result, especially um, John Daly Bodvarsson getting his hat-trick as well. I think it was his first one in the English football, so that, that must have uh, boosted his confidence a little bit as well. Indeed, and like I said to you, I mean, Reading, you've succeeded where we failed. You've knocked out a second division team out of the FA Cup. Admittedly, as you said, it was the second attempt, but I mean, was it a convincing victory? Because that's, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I went to the away leg um, at Stevenage, and Stevenage actually looked like the championship team. It looked like the roles were reversed. We just, we just don't look like we have any confidence kind of going forward. And yeah, I, I mean, in previous seasons when we've had like replays against um, lower league teams, you think, oh, if we get the draw at their place, at least we can go back to the Medeski and, and we'll definitely beat them there. But I didn't have that same feeling this time. I just, just with the form that we've been in, in the league, I just, yeah, it wasn't a banker win last night. So to win convincingly 3 0 is definitely a good thing. Of course. I mean, yep, Sam, he made 10 changes for that match. Do you think freshening up the side and bringing in some new blood got players, in effect, fighting for their first team place? This is the thing with Yapstam. He he very rarely plays the same team. I think it's only happened a couple of times a season where he's actually played um, the same team like two games in a row. So, I mean, I think 
it, it, it does benefit, I think, when, when you do have players coming in that maybe don't get a chance all the time in the first team. But, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's, ten changes is quite a lot. Obviously, it made a difference last night. Indeed, indeed. So, listen, I mean, talking about this season, but last season, I mean, this season is the polar opposite to last season where you lost to Huddersfield in the playoff final. What has gone for, wrong for Reading this time around? I think, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, really. I think last season we very much overachieved. Um, obviously, Yapstam's come in and brought in this possession style of football. And I think a lot of teams didn't really know kind of how we were playing or that they, they just weren't expecting it. And, and again, I think it was a bit of luck last season as well. Like you, the games that you do win 1-0, 2-0, which is the kind of games that we were winning. We're just not, we're not just having the, the rub of the green, really. We're, we're not playing any different in the style of football that we were playing last year. I think it's just, we, we didn't get off to the best starts and the confidence has just never been up since the start of the season, really. There's never been a, a real convincing run of games where you're like, okay, this, this is it. We're, we will start pushing back up the table and I don't, I don't think we'll get relegated I know we're down there but I think we won't get relegated on the basis that there are teams in the league that are worse than us um, but yeah just I, the, the players confidence is so shot it's just it's unreal like they're arguing with each other on the pitch and it, yeah it's kind of a shame to see but hopefully obviously yeah we had the good result last night and we had the draw away at Hull on Saturday so that's two kind of results where we've kept clean sheets, so hopefully we can build on from that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that as well, because speaking to one of your fellow um, Tyler Stenders as well, the handbags, he was telling me that one of his colleagues knew this uh, stats person who was in the stats game, he was in the sort of financial, the betting stats game, and uh, he actually claimed last season, as you were running into the playoffs, you know, you were fifth or sixth or wherever you were at the time, that the, the stats people actually reckoned that you were way, way punching above your weight as a team, and you know, the, your actual position in their sort of stats league table should have been about 18 or such, and interestingly, Bristol City, who were doing quite badly last season, they were like top six or top three in their league table, which is interesting. So looking at sort of 12 months later, um, it's interesting to see that. But I'm just wondering, because obviously like last season, you would, as you said, you, you, you had like two one home wins against Rotherham, one nil home wins against Wigan. There's even that match against Brentford where you won 3-2. And I have to admit, I don't think anyone inside that stadium understands how you got one point, never mind three, from that game as well. But at the same time, you lost 7-1 to Norwich and 3-0 to Preston. So I'm just wondering, do you think that this season, looking at that and the fact that you know, you're talking about edging these games, that Yapstam might have rested on his laurels after getting to Wembley and just thought we could just do it again? I think so. I think, I mean, obviously I, I, I'm a season ticket holder and I go away quite a lot and there's just no difference in the way that he sets up a team. I, I mean, I said that he, he doesn't play the same players, but the actual like, concept of the football that he plays is exactly the same. And it's just, there's no idea and there's no plan B. They, they just, it's almost like they get past the halfway line and it's like, what do I do with the ball now? It, there's just no, there's no ideas going forward. And it's, it's almost like none of the players want to take responsibility of what they're doing. You, you, when we do eventually get the ball near the box, it's almost like everyone's like, let's see which player I can pass it to rather than having a shot themselves. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah, and, and from the crowd as well, I mean, there have been some sniffs from some sections of your fan base for Stam out. And even in your recent match with Stevenage, the one that you went to away, there was apparently some verbal exchanges between Stam and the, pla- and, and the fans. Um, where do you stand on Stam? Um, I'm still Stamming. I think um, 
it, it's been proven by a lot of teams in the championship or, and even the Prem. If you stick with a manager, it, good things happen. When Sam came in last season, it was always on the basis that he had a project and it was going to take a couple of years. And I think last season, yeah, it was fantastic finishing third, but it, it was a bit of a freak season. And if you look at the two seasons before that, we actually finished 19th and 17th. So in 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 relation to to other seasons, like recently, it, it's not too dissimilar to the, to the form we've been showing before. So yeah, I, I think you've got to stick with Stam. Chopping and changing managers just doesn't work. And all the players that are at Reading now, they're there to play Stam style of football. So realistically, who, who do you get in now that can change the way that we play and and actually make a difference? Okay, all right. So I mean, talking about players, you've got two ex-Brentford loanies in your side. You've got John Swift who actually broke down recently with a hamstring problem again. He's been out, well, injured quite a lot this season. And also you've got um, Liam Moore, who was in our side in the, I think in the first division as we were going for promotion. I can't remember if we brought him in again. I think we were trying to bring him in as we got into the championship in our first season there as well. But Liam Moore, so we've got two ex- ex-players, these players. How have they been for you? Um, I don't think we've seen the best of John Swift just because he can't stay fit. Uh, there was a bit of a, an interesting interview with um, Yapstam after the game on uh, on Saturday that they think that potentially John Swift sitting on the coach for too long may have uh, like damaged his hamstring or something. And yeah, it's frustrating that yeah, it, it, they just really don't know why he can't stay fit. Um, and obviously, once you have your injury and you come back, like, it obviously takes a while to get back to match fitness. And then it's almost like he gets to that point where he's nearly there. And then it's just, oh, he's injured again. So I, I just don't think we ever see the best of John Swift. Uh, and Liam Moore, we would be in a much worse position if he wasn't in the team. He's easily our best player on the pitch. And yeah, there's been a lot of uh, like transfer talk in terms of where's he going to go. Because... When when a player is that much obviously better than the rest of the team, like it's almost like he's being held back. Um, so I think we'll be really lucky to keep hold of him in January, and if we do, uh, he's definitely gone in the summer. I think. All right, and talking about transfer talk, there's reports of you signing Chris Martin as well. Uh, I mean, goal scoring you think is a bit of a problem. Um, do you think he might be the missing cog? Do you want to see Chris Martin down at the Majeski? Um, it would be nice to see another striker. Um, I mean, it was a, a really naive move from the board not to sign a striker in the summer, um, especially when they knew that Jan Kermigan wasn't fit. And obviously, yeah, lack of goals has been a, a big thing this season. So, yes, yeah, I'd take any kind of half-decent striker at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, what other players have been got a match tomorrow? What other players should we be looking out for in the Reading team? Um, I think... Um, Chris Gunter, he kind of comes under a lot of stick from our fan base sometimes, and I'm not entirely sure why, but he's been very kind of influential in the last few games, uh, both on and off the pitch. Um, uh, you mentioned the thing at Stevenage with um, Yapstam and the fans, and um, I think, yeah, some of the players even refused to kind of clap the fans, which, as, as someone who goes quite regularly, that, that was quite an, an insulting thing. I, like, the majority of the, the fan base there wasn't booing. Um, it was just obviously the idiotic minority, but Chris Gunter was the one that kind of persuaded the people to go over, uh, the players to go over. He then, um, kind of put out a really dignified statement on, on Twitter and yeah, it, he's, he's really stepped up his game as well. He's been, um, 
like good solid at the back and yeah I think he and especially when he's given the opportunity he can go forward and I think he got three assists last night as well so yeah he's, he's definitely a bit of a threat when we do actually get forward okay it's really interesting so both of us both Brentford and Reading we both like to play football on the ball on the floor we've got a passing game you know you've got ex-Brentford loaner you said Liam Moore and also you've got Paul McShane who's currently injured but they're the most successful passers in the championship apparently and obviously we've got a very high pass rate this season so question are we both going to pass ourselves to death on Saturday <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't it um, yeah it doesn't surprise me that uh, Paul McShane and Liam Moore have the most passes it doesn't seem to get out of our half so it's um yeah, maybe with um, Thiago Alori obviously stepping in for Paul McShane, um, maybe that might add something a little bit different. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, game on Saturday, how's it going to pan out and give us a score prediction? Uh, I think it'll be uh, the usual kind of first half for Reading, um, kind of just passing it around the back, uh, between the back four and, and Manone. Um Second half, we do tend to come out and actually look like we want to do something. So, uh, hopefully, getting three goals yesterday might give us a bit of confidence. And I'm going to say one nil Reading. One nil to Reading. So Becca was good. Wicked Becca from the Tyler's End blog and podcast. Um, be great catching up with you. Check out the Tyler's End. They're a very good blog, very good podcast, and they do lots and lots of stuff from Reading. And we'll have a little besotted piece on the Tyler's End probably on Friday if you want to check that out as well. But Becca. I'll catch up with you on Saturday, and uh, after the game, we'll see which one of us was a little bit closer to the right result. Thank you. So Brentford versus Reading, it's not like sort of one of those rare diamonds that you get or one of those rare Pokemon cards, I don't know, kids or anything like that, that you get out there where, um, you know, it doesn't very really happen very often. You know, we play Sunderland and we hark back to the fact that, you know, the last time they might have beaten us was in sort of 1829 or something ridiculous. But with Reading, we've actually played them over 25 times in the in the past 20 plus years. You know, Brentford Reading is a, is a, is a, is a, is a big fixture and it's a solid fixture in the Brentford fixture calendar and we play them a lot up to 1992 93 94 and then they disappeared for a bit the 99 2002 2001 2002 and then they disappeared for quite a long time as they elevated themselves quite far out of our reach and then we're back in the same league again but guys the reading games bring back bad and good memories i'm going to ask you guys any reading games that you remember fondly or not so fondly uh, yeah, I mean, my, mine is a, a fondly one. It was um, the, the the Koppel era. And I'll just read the team that we, we had out. This is at uh, the Majeski. Uh, we won 2-1 we won uh, earlier in the season, sort of October time. Uh, we'd already run five league games to go top of the league. And uh, the team we had was Gott Skoutsken, Jason Price, Ija Anderson, uh, Inge Marsen, Powell, Hunt, Marne, Sidwell... Gibbs, Arusu, Burgess. That is one really, really good team. So uh, I, I remember that. I remember, I remember sort of shouting for 90 minutes, uh, Hunt Pen, Hunt Pen, because this is what we did at that time. Every time Stephen Hunt got the ball, he would basically fall over and we'd get a penalty. And um, But uh, he, he never seemed to get one that game, which is unfortunate. But uh, we did win 2-1, Inga Marston and Price scoring the goals after going 1-0 down to one of their pens, in fact. So that, that was a, a game I really, really do remember and I just thought it was fantastic atmosphere from loads and loads of Bees fans. First time I think we played at the Majeski 
and there was like you know there's loads of Bees fans there and it was a really good atmosphere. two and a half thousand Bees fans if I remember lightly and when we, when we turned up it was one of those ones where you turn up and go everyone's here it's like everyone turned up because again we were a lower league team then so I think we were probably averaging what four four and a half thousand crowd or something like that at that time and then you turn up at the Majeski and we had two and a half thousand fans there and literally faces that you hadn't seen for like 20 years were there that, that time that was, a, that was a good day out sure with a minute yeah Gaz yeah well actually I'd say that was actually the beginning because I missed last last year's game last season's game because I had to work but um, that's the beginning so the last three times I've been there we've won there was that game um, the game at the end of the season we got to the playoffs when I think it was Judgy and Tarkovsky scored two goals and then we had season before last where we scored two absolutely beautiful strikes the one by Woods and the um, and the Canos goal that we still sing about um, to this day so that made you obviously very happy. Laney, Reading Games. Reading Games. <clears throat> I think the, fir- the first time I ever went to Elm Park, I think, was 1984-85. I think, it, I, think it was the, I think it was the Freight Rover. Go- yeah, it was. It was a Freight Rover um, run that ended us up at Wembley. Um, we won Three one, I think it was. I can't. I can't remember who scored, but I know. I remember it was just obviously a, just a, a really good night. It was a decent turnout. The best. The best turnout at Elm Park was towards um, the. It was probably the season that we went up. <clears throat> it was a nil-nil draw, and it felt like we had well, we, three and a half thousand, four thousand people. It was. A, it was an away end. It was like a away terrace behind the goal at, um, at Elm Park. And it was it was mobbed, absolutely mobbed. But my per, my personal favourite was um, the one that Sav's just mentioned. It was the, uh, the it was I think it was the second visit to the Majeski. I think we I think we lost four 0 the, the first time when um, Jean Paul Javre was on the train back. He got the train back from Reading to wherever he was staying, but he was on the train with us, just a few of us back. Um, but I took Seb, my son, to it was his first away game. He was nine months old and he was in his little like rocking thing. Um, drove to Majeski, parked and parked at outside or in the, one of those car parks, and he was a lucky omen. So um, yeah, the, the first game um, I took Seb to, um, and we won. So all good. All good. And for me, and again, I'll talk about the Reading game. I've talked loads about the game, my first ever away game, which is away at Reading at Elm Park, where I got chased by 50 Reading fans. And I talked about that last week, and I've talked about that before, and it was very, very scary for me because I was only 15 years old. And there was all sorts of racial activity going on there with the Reading fans, which I was not very happy with. But since then, I've become friends with good Reading fans and there are good Reading fans out there and there are not so good Reading fans out there as well as we know but that happens in life but this is all good but let's forget about that one we will talk about another game which I remember which is a season when we went up to the division we're in now which is now called the championship but then it was I think it's called division one it was in 1992 when Brentford were going for promotion and we were kind of tithering at the time we were we were doing all right all right then we were just having a couple of really dodgy results and then we all went to Reading and I remember a load of Brentford fans went down there was Elm Park again and we went down there and we had you know people Graham Benson in the team Jamie Bates Terry Evans you know um, I remember Marcus Gale was playing as well I think he had a shot which kind of went wide it didn't quite happen and we drew nil all with them and we thought at that time it was going to scupper our chances of promotion because we were 
right in there beforehand. Scuppered the chance of promotion, so I think there was all boos and people were like like heckling uh, Phil Holder, or Noddy Holder as he called it at the time. And then after that, I think we went on a run, and you have to correct me, Danny, if that's right. I think we won every single game after that one, and we went right into that season to have won the league. And this... That's right, and that, that game, I think, was in the middle of April, so we basically won every game after that, which is probably about another five or six or seven, five games, six games after that we won straight away, including Fulham. We beat Fulham 4-0 at home on a wet, wet Sunday morning when we drove back all the way from Aberdeen, um, Falkirk via Aberdeen, went up to Aberdeen from Falkirk and down again. We drove down there on a coach, a load of us, that was brilliant, and then we beat them 4-0, and then the following week went to Peterborough and won that. That was an absolutely teething, tremendous though but that Reading game was important but what we all remember about that is what Noddy Holder's words were after that where are all the doubters now because he talked about that as well but that game I remember from El Park um, I've just looked up I cheated I looked up the scorers in that my first game at El Park George Torrance got two someone a, a player that Brentford bought out of the army from the army bought yeah. out of the army um, and then Paul Roberts got the other one who's a fearless ex-Millwall defender um, so yeah, so yeah, George Torrance two and Paul Roberts one. So there's our Reading memories for you as well. Notice there's no new school memories for there. We've gone back properly old school as it is, but maybe tomorrow, maybe a new school memory for the bees because uh, we're doing all right at the moment now. And Reading a little bit scared of the bees are coming down. We've listened to Becca from the Tilehurst End. We're going to have the handbags who's going to be writing his little article. And it's going to be up on besotted.com, hopefully by the end of Thursday. And then by the end of Saturday, we'll know if it's all come true. But guys, around the table here, Reading, Saturday. In principle, we both play passing game. We both play possession game football. We both like to do the do. However, we're going to Reading. Last season, we should have smashed them off the park. And even the Reading fans turned around and said, oh my God, I don't know how you didn't beat us. You were absolutely brilliant. But they got the result out of us. But we've seen that we've learned from those mistakes that we used to do where we used to let in goals just quite recently, haven't you? Sav, what do you reckon? I think we're a better team than we were last season. I think we, uh, we enjoy playing uh, against teams that aren't shutting up shop. And I think we will still probably let a goal in because uh, we, we tend to do that away from home. Uh, so, but I think uh, a 2-1 win for, for Brentford. The Gazza. Funnily enough, exactly what I was thinking. I, I could see it being a 2-1 win for us. Um, Reading, as you as we alluded to earlier, I don't think they're brilliant. They're not as good as us. Um, that being said, they they will come out. They will try and come at us a little bit more than they would do if it was at Griffin Park. But I still see us being too strong for them. Score prediction, though? Yep, yeah, 2-1. Delaney. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. Apparently there's a claim. Yeah, he's allowed it. He's allowed it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think I think it's stacked in our favour. I think um, Stam's got a stay of execution because he won in the cup. He's going to keep his job for Saturday. He needs another win. He, he, he needs it. So he needs to come at us. He needs, he needs a, an attacking formation. It suits us. They're obviously not, you know, on recent recent showings. They're not the team that they were last year. They they they're not sneaking wins. Um, they they're vulnerable. Um, I see us going there, and I see Brentford winning four one. Oh, cool, Have you been on the Kraken? Nope. 
I'm not on the crack and crack or rum. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit more conservative. No, I haven't been to the herb garden. No, 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 you haven't. I'm, no, not yet. Anyway, you'll say that for Saturday morning. No, but listen, uh, for me, always enthusiastic. Reading fans chatting to them. Eh, not overly confident, even though they just scored three goals, which does worry me a little bit because obviously they'll be buzzing off the back of that. But we just need to do what we do. We need to do what we do, and at the end of the day, I think we're going to do what we do. We play the football that we play, passing game, we'll outpass them, and we'll get the characters. And two nil to the mighty bees is what I think. But listen, this is Besotted Pride of West London podcast. What we need you to do, please, if you can just go to iTunes and just give us a review and give us five stars and just say, Besotted Podcast, we think it's absolutely brilliant. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a bit of news for you where you might be able to hear the Besotted crew, which may be myself, maybe Laney, maybe Gaz, it may be the Sav, it may be the the, the Liberal Nick, uh, it may be the Allard, maybe the Dutchman, anybody like that. We're coming to you from another channel but give us a couple of weeks and we'll give you more information about that as well as well as as well as not instead of no not instead of we're still going to be doing the Besotted podcast every single week so you'll have this as well but just give us a couple of weeks to talk about that and other than that it's about Saturday hopefully you've taken on our touristic information about Reading wonderful places for you to go we'll even write them up on the Besotted website we write them up on the information page on this one as well and you could go out in Reading because it's a marvellous marvellous place to go but we are here in the Crosskeys they've taken absolutely wicked care of us it's been buzzing here tonight we actually watched the Norwich game we just stayed up and watched the Norwich game we're gutted because mm, penalties and Chelsea won at the last minute and unfortunately means that we have got to play Norwich next week on Saturday with some people happy with but some people want a weekend off but never mind about that but as we say we're delighted we go to Reading 3000 Bs as we say come on you bees Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.